This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgment if there are little ears around. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by the Family Planning Victoria Schools and Community Team. My name is Anne. I'm part of the Schools and Community Team, which go to schools and run classes for all year levels on bodies growing up, puberty, sex, reproduction and relationships. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so that we can share what goes on in a relationships and sexuality education class and support these sorts of conversations at home. Today I'm talking with Jenny Walsh. Jenny has been working in the field of relationships and sexuality education both in Australia and internationally for over 25 years. Jenny is a former senior member of the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society at La Trobe University. She has authored resources and curriculum such as Catching On Early and Catching On Later, which have been used by teachers to deliver relationships and sexuality education curriculum. Jenny is the perfect person to ask about how much has changed for young people in terms of what they need to know about relationships and sex, and how much has changed in the delivery of this type of education over the last 25 years. So Jenny, thank you so much for talking to me. You're welcome. <laughs> My first question, I guess, is can you talk a little bit about your experience in relationships and sexuality education and what fuels your commitment to this field of education? Well, when I first started um, working, I was trained as a primary school teacher and I found that I really loved doing health ed. And the only job in uh, health education at the time was in a sexual health education unit and nobody else applied for the job. Oh, <laughs> not popular. <laughs> so, um, and so that was about 25 years ago. And uh, I thought, all right, I'll give it a go. And that was funded with AIDS money. So right. it was a very quick entry for me into learning how to talk about sex in front of groups of people and but what I came to really love about it was that I was working with people who um, it really was about social justice mm. uh, so sex was kind of the topic but social justice was the the driver mm -hmm. so that's, that's what I really remained, loved remained the case for you yeah and and I think I said that I started as a primary teacher and I never lost that um, love and sense of importance for um, getting started right. Yeah, great. Mm. Um, on your website, you have a really excellent collection of words, which helps people find you, no doubt. It says all the things you would like to talk about and things that represent relationships and sexuality education. I'm going to read the list. Oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> it's quite a long list. It is a long list. Babies, bodies, sex, love, staying safe online, respect, parenting, consent, sex education, relationships, ethics, respect, gender, growing up, media monitor, breaking up, sexual feelings, sexual images, porn, embarrassment, holding hands, talking things through, boyfriends, girlfriends, gay, straight, transgender, family, community, equity, pleasure, vulnerability, consent, safety, making mistakes, periods and wet dreams, identity, belonging, friendship, pressure, gossip, sluts, studs. Yes. <laughs> That's a great list. Well, it, it, often when you say that you do sex ed, 
um, I used to get teased all the time that I was just the condom lady, yes. right? <laughs> and um, that's fine. But um, that this is what we're dealing with. Yeah, all those things. Yeah. So in that list is parenting, family and community. So if sex education is helping young people make good decisions for themselves, yes. why is parenting and community so important to have on that list? Well, relationships and sexuality education is also about raising children who know how their bodies work and feel okay about themselves and maybe the opposite of being reasonably conversant about sex and relationships is feeling weird about it Mm. and feeling weird about it can lead to misinformation feeling scared or embarrassed or even ashamed and so family matters because that's where we learn a kind of normal yeah that's the most important place and so families can help you feel a bit more confident that you're not weird and if you're not feeling like you're weird then you feel okay about speaking up for yourself yeah so so they're providing that language and that yeah, environment it's where the, it it's can the be talked about. most important place yeah. yeah and families want to do that job too mm. but they don't know how to and i think uh, particularly with young children, I, I was invited to a school a couple of years ago and um, because they'd had a few instances of eight or nine-year-olds um, coming across porn. Mm-hmm. And one story in particular um, made me really sad because uh, the little boy had looked up Ariana Grande naked <laughs> online and he found awful stuff. Yeah. And being... A normal natural child with natural curiosity and being a bit freaked out he ran next door and showed his mate and then parents found out and then all sorts of ructions were created mm. between the two families which then came back to the school but my overriding sent feeling was of sadness for this kid that he felt deeply ashamed yeah and if the parents were also deeply ashamed and they'd tried to do all the right things. He'd yeah. found the thing on his uh, Nana's iPad. Yeah. She, you know, she didn't have all the, all the filters. things. Yeah. So those parents wanted to do the right thing too. Yeah. And it's it, we shouldn't feel ashamed. Yeah. And sometimes it does take one of those what people perceive as a crisis or an event or something before they talk about it when really it's a conversation that's, that goes on all the time. Yeah. It, mm. it it does and and so you want you want parents to feel better mm. more confident in themselves and um, they could have made a big difference if they hadn't you know chastised themselves so much too mm. Mm. Um, when you started working in this area what sort of things were you talking about so from your big list of things was there anything on that list that wasn't on the agendas at school wasn't being talked about at school well, you know, when I first started, I wasn't talking about most of those. I wasn't talking about mm. most of those things because um, my job was to go out and talk about uh, sexually transmissible infections mm. and HIV. Mm. So um, I did start off explaining to people how you caught diseases and how to use condoms. Mm. So it took me quite some time to learn about everything else that you needed to talk about. Yeah. I think that the thing 
the thing I tell you what the thing that they were saying they were saying back then which they're not saying anymore is if you talk to primary school children about sex you are spoiling their innocence mm. and I that's actually something that's dropped out of the conversation so that's a change and the other thing I think that we weren't talking about back then which hopefully we're coming towards talking about now is uh, love yeah as part of the conversation as part of it yeah. and and that sex can be a good and positive thing yeah. even, even for young people yeah. <laughs> um, and of course you have to say that when I first started some of us particularly those of us in health jobs rather than school jobs could talk about being gay and mm. lesbian and bisexual we didn't talk much about transgender and I think we're seeing a yeah, absolutely. positive change there too. Yeah. Every primary school I go to, it's a question every class asks, what is transgender? What yeah. does it mean? Can you make a baby? If oh, they, yeah. there you go. It's, <laughs> yeah. It always comes back to that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's so, um, and I remember when uh, with people's fear around talking about being gay, mm. that the concern was that children would always come back to asking how do gay people have sex, which of mm. course they did sometimes. Mm. But it always comes back to love and family yeah. and making babies yeah. and belonging. Yeah. And um, you don't have to talk about sex that much, actually. No. Yeah. Is there, so leading on from that, is there anything on the list that you think is still really difficult to talk about in schools? Oh, gosh. Um, I think uh, what we may not be doing very well in the sex ed space is including boys in the conversation. I think there's still a tendency to talk about teaching girls to protect themselves rather than teaching boys to be responsible mm. in a loving way, uh, not not damning them. I, I think in Victoria the Respectful Relationships program is hopefully addressing that by talking about relationships with kids. So I think we could really do make that difference. And I still think that we're not giving kids the space to talk about relationships in ways that matter to them, that the kids keep telling us that they want to talk about things like breaking up or mm. how to get to know someone. Yeah, and, and the processes of that and what's acceptable and what's usual. And, yeah, 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 and acknowledging all the, you know, having... We talk all the time about enabling kids to have uh, develop their emotional literacy, but in fact we're not exploring the, the emotional components mm. of sex and relationships very well. Mm. And, of course, the reason for that is, I mean, this is where families come in. That's That, to me, is an opportunity for a family to talk about those things. It yeah. can be hard for a teacher sometimes to talk about those things. Yeah, definitely. On your list is uh, the word, or are the words sluts and studs? What does that mean to you? Well, it hasn't gone away, <laughs> has it? I mean, you you must come across it all the time. Yeah, there's still definite gender norms about what happens in a, a sexual relationship that yeah. we see. Yeah, and so boys are still celebrated for being mm. sexually active, mm. and girls, it's a fi it's a fine line. Mm. It does depend on the community. Yes, to a big extent. Yes, totally. I I still think though there's something about an imposition of gender stereotypes on kids, even under the guise of being sexually free and powerful, um, that girls are still being required to 
behave in a particular way that doesn't correspond with how they how they really feel. Mm. So um, I'll I have to say yes to looking at this sexual image because they'll think I'm a prude if I don't, mm. and I'm meant to be this liberated sex goddess. Yeah. And it's having the freedom the opportunity to reflect on what you're comfortable with and again come coming back to that very first sort of point of no you're not weird yeah this we're we're a thousand variations of humanity and um we need to be allowed to continue to feel good about ourselves wherever we are yeah yep uh what about making mistakes that's on your list as well well i'm over 50 (laughs) and I grew up in a time when if you made a mistake which meant had sex you had got a bad reputation Mm. certainly that was true in my family so sex was always viewed as a mistake or for a girl for a girl yeah um well in in my neck of the woods you know I grew up in a small country town in a religious family but it, it, it was the concept of losing your virginity and once you lost it, it was gone and there was no coming back from that. And I still think that there's something about that lack of compassion for ourselves when it comes to... We, we've got to allow for making mistakes. Kids are being told all the time how they should do things mm. and then they kick themselves when things get go badly. Mm. And... No, we're just human. We're trying to figure it out. Sometimes, here's how we build resilience. We make mistakes. We think about how we'd like it to be next time. Mm. And then we have another go. Yep. It's and, not irredeemable, irretrievable. And sex doesn't have to be seen as a mistake either. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's why, you know, it's we're so uncomfortable with concepts like losing your virginity mm. as if something's been irretrievably mm. lost. And some cultures and communities that's still a very strong um, thing yeah you've written guides for parents about talking to children about sex and relationships what are adults worried about and what is your advice hmm well the first thing I'd say is that most adults do want to talk to their kids about sex but they don't want to encourage their kids to have sex (laughs) (laughs) and they don't want to damage their children they don't want to say the wrong thing so they're saying nothing and they're waiting for their child to come and ask them a question mm, and it becomes that stalemate of they've never asked so I've never said and then yeah. their child becomes 16 and no one's ever talked about it and now it's really weird <laughs> yeah. to talk about it so um, I think that parents need to know that you need to give your kids clues you you actually have to make comments when you're watching telly or you have to leave the little books around. You, you do have to take that forward step. And the other thing I would say is that I hope that more fathers are taking on the job. One, uh, the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society mm-hmm. revealed the late results of the latest national survey of Year 10 to 12 Yes. students. Yes, I just spoke to Christopher Fisher about that. Did you? On I this did. on I this did. podcast? Yes. Awesome. So uh, now one of the things that stood out to me as, as something to celebrate was uh, in, in previous surveys, the first person a kid goes to to talk to about 
something to do with sex and relationships is a female friend. And this is the first time we've seen a significant increase in boys talking to male friends about Mm. that stuff. And I think for the health of relationships broadly and the health of uh, males and females and gender non-binary that sort of loosening up of who we who can talk about these Mm. things who can express vulnerability um is really important that's why i want dads to get in and there and say i've got no idea what i'm talking about but um i i think it's really important that you've got a dad that you can talk to Yeah. yeah uh what is your wish for relationships and sexuality education well, I've got a few, <laughs> but my my main thing is that um, all primary schools are talking with children from at least year level one um, about their bodies and what their body parts are called and um, so that we create cultures and communities where the adults are leading the way mm-hmm. and being grown-ups about sex. And I think that that cultural shift would make a big difference in kids' safety and comfort about their bodies. Yeah. How can parents and carers get relationships and sexuality education on the, on their school's agenda? Well, I happen to write a uh, sex ed curriculum for the Department of Education. I think it came out in 2012. And um, so it's there. It's got the stamp of approval on it. And it's a very safe program. Um, and it's written for children from uh, from the beginning of primary school up to sec- sixth grade. So go and ask uh, your principal what's happening in the relationships and sexuality education arena and ask them when they're starting uh, and if they're starting before grades five and six. Mm. It's too late. Uh, well, it's, I'm sorry, it's not too late. But, oh, my goodness, you're not getting to those children whose natural curiosity about sex starts at around eight or nine Mm. and then they're going online and finding Ariana Grande naked. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And teachers might need support to deliver programs like that as well. Yeah, I know. It's it's really tricky. They need their... Teachers need their school communities' support and they need training to feel safe to take the job on. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes leadership to, to make that decision. And all of the research tells us that. If the if the boss of the school isn't on board and if the senior leadership aren't supporting it, it won't happen. Yeah. Mm. Denny, thank you so much for talking to me. That was really interesting. Good luck in all your future writing that I'm sure you're doing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Jenny Walsh for talking to me. Here are some key things that stood out in that discussion. Children are naturally curious about sex, so it's a good idea to be proactive and create chances for them to talk about it. Ask the leadership at your child's school what's happening in terms of relationships and sexuality education. Ideally, relationships and sexuality education should be within schools from at least grade one and up. Young people are really wanting to have a language to be able to talk about love, sex and relationships. Jenny Walsh has a website, www.jennywalsh.com.au. She has her contact details and also some links to the resources she has worked on, such as the Practical Guide to Love, Sex and Relationships. They are animations. 
Talk Soon, Talk Often is a guide for parents and carers on how to talk to their young person. Catching on Early is a curriculum resource uh, available for teachers. These are all free to download and use. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about Family Planning Victoria, you can go to fpv.org.au. You can contact us at doing it directly at doingit at fpv.org.au. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review if you like it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Bye.